Yes, I am back. Boom. I'm just going to set it up quickly because if I did it early, it just breaks up. So, uh, 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 just prepping it. I'll, I'll tell you when we're starting. And it's going to be on my business page. Um, so, that's where we'll be. So, there's nobody here in the Zoom room. It's just on there. But I just like to use this for the view. Right. Okay. There we go. Right. I'm going to press go live. I think we're live. I'm just going to check to make sure. But if you're watching this on the replay, Hello. Let's see. Yes, we're live. We're live. Very exciting. Yeah. Very, very excited. Right? We made it. We made it. Hey, everybody watching us live on our business page. I'm so excited to bring you this amazing interview. If you are an NFP, NFJ, INFJ, or an INFP, or anything else, but you're just curious and you want to stalk what NF people are up to, I <laughs> am so excited to bring you somebody that I've actually never spoken to before, but I have, I binge watch almost every single one of his YouTube videos. For those of you that know me, I've been in business over three years and I followed many mentors and I rarely find people that I resonate with. And this guy is, I'm going to tell you this guy, some of the stuff that I've learned from him is absolutely life-changing for my life and business. I'm very excited, Chase. I am so excited, honestly. Um, I'm going to give him a second to introduce himself in a minute, but uh, to give you a very brief overview, uh, Chase, or a very famous known as C.S. Joseph. No, it's no. he always starts with, hey, guys, it's C.S. Joseph from csjoseph.live <laughs> coming <laughs> in, uh, on YouTube, and he is a social engineer. He specializes in union analytical psychology, uh, engineer by day, born in Seattle, and uh, I'm so excited to bring him here, and uh, Chase, I'm just so glad you're here, and so thankful for your time, honestly. I just love what you do so much. I just do. I really do, and I don't say that lightly. And we're <laughs> going to be very chatty, because he's an ENTP, and I'm an ENFP, so get ready for that. Never never not chat. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's completely, is it just, it just explodes, or is that the stream of consciousness, it's just like, oh, you know, oh, one day it's like, okay. Download everything you have into my mind. And then the other day, it's like, no, I'm sorry. My mind is just spilling out everywhere like this cauldron. <laughs> <laughs> you can ever can hold it. Let's say you can. I don't know. We'll find out when we get there. I know. I am so excited. Um, as I'm sharing, as I'm sharing um, some of the stuff across some of my Facebook groups, um, I would love for you to share um, how did you get started with uh, depth psychology um, and uh, give us a bit of background how long you've been doing it uh, you know and uh, and why you keep still doing it and what is um, the stuff that you are working on uh, and I'm gonna be sharing like crazy because this this interview needs to be seen by everybody I know that is for sure <laughs> fair enough uh, uh, the feeling is definitely mutual uh, for sure uh, that being said uh, so 
I got into Jungian analytical psychology uh, specifically uh, to save my marriage. Um, I, uh, I got married when I was 19. Uh, I was still in uh, university at the time. And uh, it was just absolutely, it was rough. It was very rough. Uh, I mean, I, I would have guessed that the first sign of the marriage being something rough uh, would, <laughs> would have been that after uh, the first two hours of uh, saying our wedding vows, she comes up to me and says, sex is not an important part of our marriage. We won't be having it. And then the honeymoon was <laughs> Yeah, it's like, okay, this is, uh, this is not good for sure. Uh, but I was very, uh, I was very involved uh, in uh, the religious components of my family at the time. And uh, I ended up drawing out uh, the marriage 11 years uh, when it should have been ended a long time ago. But one of the coping mechanisms that I utilized uh, in my research of trying to figure out specifically how to have a relationship with this woman and, you know, to get my needs met, et cetera, as well as seeking to find out what her needs are not because my theory was, okay, maybe I'm not meeting her needs. Maybe there's something, there's a disconnect there on my side. So I had to figure out if that was the case. And uh, when, I, when I started learning this, I started learning when I, was, when I was 21 and I'm 31 now. So I've had 10 years of experience in researching the subject matter. Um, I met uh, my mentors when I was about... Uh, about 24-ish, 25 is when I started uh, learning under my mentors. And uh, I had uh, two mentors, uh, an ESTP, who thinks he's an ISTP, still does to this day. It's kind of cute, to be honest. And uh, the other one was an INFJ, actually. And uh, I learned the most under the INFJ. The INFJ is a fantastic individual. Uh, it was a very painful tutelage under the INFJ because he completely broke me down into tiny little pieces. And by the time he was done with me, I was a tabula rasa. He literally burned away all of my beliefs completely. I had none left after him. I, I, like, I had basically gotten to the point where I was able to abandon all my spiritual beliefs, uh, anything that I would think or know in general. Uh, I was just, I was completely done. He like burned me to the ground, basically, if I was a forest and I had nothing left. Uh, so back to my ex-wife, um, and we signed our divorce on Thanksgiving Day of last year. Uh, so back to her, um, I came to realize, you know, oh, you know, this person's an ESFP. Uh, I don't know if they're exactly, you know, uh, uh, compatible with me at that point in time. And then I... I just realized that I need to stop changing her. I need to stop trying to change her. And I need to just focus on changing myself and just kind of let her go. And, and to be honest, throughout that entire experience, I was a man child. I didn't actually become a man until I was about 27, actually. And that's how long it took me to figure that out, uh, was, was literally that point in time. I was 27 years old. I mean, even Jordan Peterson says like, you know, the year of, you know, the 27th year of age for men is very pivotal, especially in first world society. And for me, that's how, that's how it was. It, that's how it exactly was. Uh, and uh, when I became a man at 27, I, I had an epiphany. It happened in Vegas. I mean, it's kind of interesting that it always happens in Vegas, right? And uh, I had that epiphany, and then I, I came home, and I told, I went right up to my wife, and I told her, okay, you have a choice. You can either divorce me right now, or you can allow me to see other people. And she got super mad, like super mega upset. Mm. 
And then uh, a few days later, she comes back to me. And a few days later, it was, it was literally, um, it was my birthday, actually. And she comes up and she tells me, okay, you know what? I'll let you see other people. And uh, in that process, uh, just don't abandon me and the children, whatever you do. <laughs> and, and, I, and, I, and I kept that promise. And in fact, I've kept that promise to this day. She lives three hours away from me. I provide her financial support. And uh, she has her two children with us. And uh, it's, it's interesting. Although I'm sure the uh, audience is like, well, wait a minute. I thought you said that sex was not an important part of your marriage, yet you have two children. Well, to be fair, I can actually count all of our sexual encounters on my fingers and my toes. So over 11-year marriage. So let's, let's be fair. You know, yes, two children came as a result of that, and I love them dearly. But uh, wow. uh, it's, it's kind of, it, it's, it was definitely a, a, rough, a rough experience for sure. But to be fair... I mean, out of all the other challenges I've had in my life and whatnot, I wouldn't, I wouldn't trade it for the world. That level of suffering is what gave me the ability to actually start uh, developing my skills, actually help me become a man in the end. And, uh, and then now I'm basically like preaching about manhood and self-actualization, entrepreneurship, and uh, just understanding everybody. And, you know, I, I look at my son and I feel really guilty every single day that I'm not with my son every single day. Uh, he's seven right now. He just turned seven uh, over the summer. And uh, he's actually doing really well in martial arts. And, uh, and I'm very proud of him. And he's like, Dad, you know, I want you to teach me Kung Fu. And I'm like, okay, I'm going, you know, so, so but I, yeah, he's great. And it's just, it's so motivating. It's so motivating to continue, you know, to work hard, especially for him, because I know there are a lot of people out there who don't even know their fathers, never have met their fathers, or will have nothing to do with their fathers, much less respect their fathers. Uh, and that's not something I want for my relationship with my son. I, I want to be able to respect my son when he comes of age, because I know my father never did. He never did when I was 18, 19. He had no respect for me at all, like none. And, uh, but even more than that, I want my son to be able to respect me when he comes of age, which is also huge because I'm noticing a lot of people in my generation, the millennials, the, the Gen Z generation and the generation after, I'm sure, because like the oldest Gen Z is like 23, 24 right now. Um, the Gen Zers, like, they don't respect their fathers at all when they come of age. And that just adds to a lot more problems. So, so why do I do this? Why, why do I learn Jungian analytical psychology? Why do I talk about it? Why do I develop the science as much as I do uh, and the practice? The reason it was at first to save my marriage, which ended up failing because I realized I can't change her anymore and I need to stop. And then it become, okay, well, what's, what's the real problem that's plaguing society right now? Well, it's ignorance, of course, but it's ignorance as a result of fatherlessness. And now I'm on this great crusade to get rid of fatherlessness because my theory is, my theory is that if people actually understand each other completely, and this, this includes like understanding themselves first and then understanding everybody else before they even get into relationships with anybody and they have that pure understanding, they know exactly how a person feels, how they think, how they make decisions, what they're afraid of, what they worry about where their wisdom exists, uh, what their major weaknesses are, what their major strengths are, how they would make financial decisions, uh, all of that information available at their fingertips before even having a conversation with somebody, before even engaging with somebody, if they have all of that knowledge instantly about themselves and others and who they're compatible with and everything, then that means they can make better choices 
about the relationships that they have. And then let's say because those better choices, they end up with someone who's higher compatible with them, then that means there's a much lower chance of the relationship splitting up or having problems, which means that when the children come, their fathers are still there. And thus society is changed as results forevermore because the mature masculine is back. And then the future of our race, especially in first world society, is secure instead of being on the crash course that we currently are, <laughs> which is everything in a nutshell. <laughs> so. No, it's it's and I've been watching your story, of course, and uh, it's you know, it's very interesting to me how it's taken you a lot of years and a lot of experience to get here and I've been able to take it onto entrepreneurship and the compatibility to talk about relationships it's been really fascinating to me to explore um, the type of people I attract the type of people that I get results for as a mentor myself and then the type of people that gravitate towards me or people that are repelled um, and uh, as a result of a lot of the work that I did through learning your uh, your uh, knowledge and, and learning from you, uh, I ended up serving my audience and I ended up finding out that 50% of the people that buy from me are ENFPs like me. And the other 30 to 40% majority are idealists, INFJs, uh, ENFJs, uh, INFPs, and the occasional ENTPs and ENTJs really, especially ENTJs seem to like a lot of the stuff that I do with their extroverted thing. Oh, absolutely they yeah. do. But uh, what I found out was that actually a lot of the compatibility be between types in general apply super well in entrepreneurship. So I thought it would be really good if we uh, start by, first of all, we have people in, uh, on Facebook watching and we have people, we have an ENFJ, Jonathan, we have an INTJ, David, INTJs like me a lot as well. Um, and then uh, we have an INFP, an ENFJ, an INFP. Uh, so we have a good variety. If you haven't told us what your type is yet, type in below or what you think your type is because sometimes, because sometimes that's not necessarily the case. So uh, in yeah. fact, Let's talk about that for a second. Can we just give a very brief overview? Because a lot of my people think that Myers-Briggs and personality type is the same thing. Do you want to give a very brief overview of how does it all link together? And what is Myers-Briggs versus what is Jungian uh, uh, analytical psychology? And why actually Myers-Briggs is, it actually has nothing to do with it. And it's actually quite flawed and stuff like that. Let's Let's do that. Let's give them a... I don't know. Sure. Yeah. Let's give them a quick overview. Yeah. Okay. So um, basically when people, I, I think, I think actually uh, this will fit in quite well. So Ty Lopez, uh, he's an ENFP and yet for some reason the internet believes he's an ENTP. He's actually not. Uh, <laughs> he is an ENFP, uh, one of the more successful ENFPs out there using the ENFP mantra, you know, in the absence of communication or explanation, perceptions become reality, right? So he, his, his business play right now from an entrepreneur is rent the big mansion, rent all these flashy cars, and then shoot videos inside these rentals, and then uh, generate a lot of buzz, and then that leads down his uh, sales funnels, and then it converts sales for him. And it's an excellent strategy uh, for ENFPs to utilize, and definitely one that I recommend for sure. I get that it feeds into the whole fake it until you make it thing that a lot of people have a problem with. But the difference is, is that you have to understand that social engineering, manipulation, all social interaction is social engineering and manipulation. 
So the point is, how does that tie into the MBTI versus personality type? It's kind of similar because you have to look at the MBTI like this. As Ty Lopez says, the MBTI has no credibility at all. He absolutely hates it. He's against it. He even says you need to look at the Hexaco test, which I also completely disagree with. I think he even mentioned this one time at a TED talk that he did. I, I don't know. Uh, but um, I, I watched an interview with him talking to somebody about it. But uh, why does there, why does, is there a stigma attached to the MBTI? The reason why is because it's just a test. It's a test. It is a very flawed test. You have human error on the part of the test giver and you have human error on the test taker. So you have two places that human error could take place which could skew the results of the test. Now, is the test like intellectually integral? Not necessarily. And it's not, it's not on the test givers or the people who create the MBTI test. It's not really on them per se. The reason why is because language. The English language is actually pretty limited in a lot of ways. It's a very complex language, but you have so many words that mean different things. It's not, uh, it's not like a, a romantic language where things are a bit more uh, precise or German where things are very precise. Like, you know, oh, I have my fly thing or I have my drive <laughs> thing or, I ha you know, how the words work and how things are described in German. But... Uh, you know, the English language is very complex. So when you're asking these test questions, it, the words mean different things to different people, even if they are English speakers, which further skews the results. And they, and they follow this lettering system, this dichotomy system. So for example, um, INFPs and INFJs, which are the most common mistypes out there. Why? Well, the answer is, is because INFPs are actually J-types. Wait a minute, what? Yes, really, they really are. Why? It's because their FI hero is, the, is, the, is a decision-making cognitive function at the top of their uh, ego. So that's kind of, that makes them more J-ish, actually, even though, according to the MBTI, they're an INFP. And then you have the INFJ, it's the polar opposite. The top of their ego is introverted intuition, which is a perceiving cognitive function. And so because of that, they're more INFP-ish. They're more P-ish. They're more P-type. So socionics figures this out and actually changes the lettering system, thank God. Even though I have some issues with socionics, I, I predominantly buy into the socionics except for two things, how they type people and what they determine is relationship compatibility. I reject that completely from socionics, but the rest of it's pretty solid. Uh, the point is, though, the MBTI is just a test. Now, personality type, as a science, Jungian analytics, Jungian analytical psychology goes so much further. You have people who have been developing this science all the way back to Socrates, right? Uh, and then Plato, his students started talking about the four temperaments, the guardians, the artisans, the thinkers, the, uh, the idealists, that's what he originally called them. And, uh, and then it went all the way down through Carl Jung and Freud and, and all the way through David Kiersey, and then Stephen Montgomery. And now we have Dr. Linda Behrens, uh, and then, and then me basically uh, talking about them after that, you know, this whole chain of custody with the temperaments all the way down. And then uh, Carl Jung discovered the cognitive senses. I think his discovery of the cognitive senses, which are what we call cognitive functions nowadays, uh, his discovery of the cognitive senses is the most profound aspect of it all. So you have the cognitive senses and then you have uh, the temperaments. And then obviously the other side is the interaction styles. You put all of that together, and then you actually have the ability to type yourself in other people accurately, right? 
And then you can go into cognitive synchronicity and cognitive access, which is another method uh, that I'll be fleshing out in the future uh, to utilize and how to detect, you know, people's types and kind of better detect cognitive functions. People are like, oh, I want, that sounds very TI parents or, oh, that sounds very FE child. And I'm like, no, you can't type people by trying to identify cognitive functions. I mean, obviously the absolute best test in the world should be able to do that but you can't do that and it's not even feasible. It's, it's a feasibility problem. You know, it, like, ooh, 500 questions that has potential for human error from the test giver and test taker, not gonna work. But the bottom line is this, the MBTI is nothing more than a test. That's all it is. It's just a test. It itself was not the science. And yes, I'm using the lettering system of the MBTI to describe the types. Why? Because it's the labeling system that everyone's comfortable with. Yeah. If I had my way, I'd be using the socionics way. <laughs> you know what I mean? But that's what everyone's used to, so I use that. But people get so mistyped so easily because the test is not aware of cognitive functions. It's not aware that FI hero of ISFP and INFP is actually more J-ish. Yeah. And, uh, you know, or the NI hero of the INTJ, INFJ is more P-ish for J-types. They just don't understand that. It, it makes more sense to the extroverts because the lettering system doesn't fail on them as much. But uh, when, it, when you get to the introverts, it's just like, bleh. And then Very that's difficult. why you have, yeah, it's common. You know, that's why I have my, my lecture, how do INFJs compare to INFPs? And anytime someone who's an INFP watches my INFJ lecture, they get all super mega butt hurt about it and get really <laughs> mad and start posting angry comments on my YouTube channel. And then I'm like, now hold on. I'm going to be patient with you. Watch this lecture here. And if you still think I'm out of my mind or I'm an ass or whatever, please, please, uh, please watch that. And then they watch it and then they message me. Oh, I'm so sorry about everything I said. You're yeah. actually right. And I'm like, yeah, it's because you are mistyped, right? <laughs> yeah. And you know, I, I, I get this all the time, which is, oh, you're just putting people into boxes. I say, actually, no, it's the other way around. I don't put people into boxes. I put boxes into people where yes. I literally, I see a person and I've, and I've gotten better at typing because of you and, 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 and Chase has a really, really good, um, a, a very simple uh, diagram that he helps you type people on his website, uh, which I'll include in the description. But if you go to his YouTube channel as well, CS Joseph, uh, you can like, if you're, if you're not sure what your type is, or if you think you're one type, I strongly recommend you go to his YouTube channel and you type in CS Joseph INFP, CS Joseph, ENFP, and watch the video that he actually explains the type. And instead of looking from a perspective of, oh, uh, let me take a test to figure out who I am, it's more, no, figure out these types and then think really, 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 really carefully. Is that really you? So it's, don't put yourself in a box, take a box and try to fit you, try to fit the yeah. box into you the one that fits the best so you know um the other day i was typing a lady in my mind i wasn't typing her but i was like i bet she's an infj and she she went and did the test and she scored an isfj and i was like uh you know you know that's what she scored but i said to her i think you're this one so she went and watched your video about INFJ and she was like, oh my God, this is so me. I'm not the other one at all. And it's like, yes, because the test isn't accurate. So, um, you know, everybody that is not sure, uh, definitely check out his YouTube channel, which is in the description of the video. Uh, we have more people commenting INFJs. We have a, I have a, you know, 
INFJs are so rare, but I, I attract all of them, Chase. I attract all of them. Uh, and, uh, we have an ENTP. We have one ENTP, funny enough. Um, uh, Chase is an ENTP as well, who, funny enough, was mistyped as an INTJ most of his life uh, because he was stuck into his, uh, his shadow, which that's for another broadcast. You should go watch his YouTube channel because it's very detailed and very complicated. But... Um, you type you typed an INTJ for uh, most of your life, but uh, you are, uh, you know, as I've been watching your videos, you're definitely not an INTJ. It's just there's no chance you're an INTJ at all with your chat with our chattiness. It's just impossible, you know. Yeah. Uh, with INTJs, you can barely take like a sentence out of them with one question. You have to probe and probe and probe and probe. We can't yes. shut up. So Pull them down on the floor, extract it out of their brain. <laughs> yeah, that's exactly you it. Google those thoughts now. <laughs> it's so funny. It's so funny. So I do video marketing, you know, for those of you, those of you watching me, you no, you guys know me, but I do video marketing and sometimes I would produce people. I would creatively direct people. Creatively directing an INTJ to talk on camera is like pulling words. Like, come on, give me a, more, a few more sentences. It's like, it's so much fun, I have to say. Yeah, you got you to gotta encourage them to tell yeah. jokes. I mean, because yeah. <laughs> my, my co-host for my live stream, he's an INTJ and, you know, sometimes he'll be like, mm, I'm not sure about what I'm gonna say because I don't want to give people a bad experience and then I'm like bro just make me laugh that's all you have to do yeah. and he's like okay you want to laugh I'm gonna make you laugh and yeah. then of course like like that's exactly what happened with the Kanye West yeah. uh, episode oh my yeah. gosh that was so I good that. I did watch or that. the rock that was yeah. also good right so Let's do this now. Now that we know what is uh, what's the difference between those things, uh, what what is the role of the idealists as entrepreneurs? All the four, the four NF types, uh, and you can and you feel free to share specific examples for specific one of them. Um, um, but what is their role as entrepreneurs? Uh, and give them a give them an overview of what is it? What does it mean to be an idealist? What do idealists actually believe in? What are their strengths? What are their weaknesses as entrepreneurs? All right, we can do that. Okay, so uh, that's pretty general as a temperament. But uh, the temperament they're very affiliative, so they're always focused on doing the right thing. Uh, as entrepreneurs. Um, idealists or NFs are really focused on helping others do the right thing or accomplish the right thing. Because remember, NFs as a temperament exist to do one thing and one thing only. And that really is to bring about positive social change for the rest of our race and to increase our quality of life. That's basically it. Quality of life and positive social change. I mean, we could see that from Gandhi. He was an NF. You see that from Martin Luther King. He's an NF. Jesus Christ is an NF. Uh, the Prophet Muhammad is an NF, for example. There's, there's a reason why all of these uh, major leaders uh, in history uh, as NFs uh, were able to move our race forward in ways that we've never even uh, considered before. Um, and for example, like uh, a lot of people argue that, that Jesus Christ as an INFJ, uh, he actually helped guide humanity's consciousness to understand the concept of love and actually have internal uh, thought and self-reflection for once. Uh, now that's very debatable, but uh, the point is, is that a lot of people maintain that. Uh, it, it, same thing goes also with Gandhi uh, using a pacifist approach. No one's really done that uh, to that scale before in history. 
So it, it really ends up becoming how NFs are, are, they solidify as these milestones within the entire epoch of our race, you know, throughout our entire race's history. Every single quantum leap of, um, of, of social-based thinking and social attitudes, social norms, uh, is to move our race forward in a better direction. I mean, you could even argue like someone like Gene Roddenberry, who did uh, Star Trek, his idealistic society of mankind on planet Earth within Star Trek itself uh, was um, was that very NF approach. It's like it's like the ultimate utopia, and that's kind of where NFs are going. Is trying to create a utopia in in the long run. In the short term, as entrepreneurs, though, uh, it's like okay, well, one piece at a time, one puzzle piece at a time. So. NFPs uh, specifically, their approach is like, okay, what is the vision? What are we going to do? What are we going to want to do? What is going to make it better for everyone in the long run? I need to find out. So they end up creating a core inner philosophy. And the NFPs are all about creating the philosophy, laying down that foundation for other people to... Um, especially laying down that foundation, that, that ideal that will be utilized to actually propel humanity forward or springboard in some direction. It's that it is the springboard. It is the foundation. The NFJs, however, a little bit different. The NFJs are more primarily focused on executing that vision, taking that foundation and building on top of that foundation and growing that foundation, turning that foundation into, oh, this is just a plot of land that is the philosophy here, but I'm going to plant a garden, right? That's the NFJ approach. They're executors. They have to execute, um, execute that vision. So here's a, here's a great example. Uh, Simon Sinek, uh, an amazing INFJ. I highly recommend If you don't know who Simon Sinek is, you need to definitely know who Simon Sinek is. Fantastic INFJ. Uh, definitely one of my mentors. Uh, and, uh, he really took a lot of, he, he talks about his mentors and what, uh, what impacts him from his philosophy, et cetera. But he's really planting a garden. He started off in marketing uh, and now he just uh, starts talking about how, you know, people with their careers, et cetera, uh, coaching uh, leaders in business and getting them to be more focused on their relationships with their employees, uh, relationships employees have with each other, as well as relationships employees and leadership have with the customer and why that makes sense. Because he noticed that the millennials, for example, the Gen Zers, the generations after Gen X, when they're entering the workforce, there's a consistent problem. And he's not like saying, and, and he, by the way, what really attracted him to me was is that he's saying, millennials aren't the problem. Everyone keeps saying millennials are the problem. They're not the problem. Actually, the entire system before the millennials is the problem. And this is technically true, because if you read a book called The Fourth Turning, it talks about how Generation X is the nomad generation and the millennials is the hero generation. And the hero generation is the complete reset of the past four generations, which means right now, because the millennials itself is actually going to be the most important generation because this generation is like the redo of the last generation who was the hero, which was like the GI generation, the generation that fought World War I, basically, that generation. Huge positive social change, it, uh, you know, sparked after the Industrial Revolution and really became the foundation for the rest of the 1900s. Guess what? We're back in that position right now with the millennials that's going to set the stage for the next 100 years. 
we have that responsibility on our shoulders. And someone like, uh, you know, Simon Sinek, who's an INFJ, he's an entrepreneur, he's actually leading the charge and getting people in business focused on, you know, hey, you need to be treating your employees better. You need to show them respect. And he's, he's providing them examples of other um, people who have worked with them or other people who have done uh, great work. Like, for example, uh, one thing that he cites is, oh, hey, uh, there's this company who had to do mass layoffs. I mean, Simon Sinek is very anti-layoff, and I love that he's anti-layoff because it was the layoffs and the crash of 2009 that I ended up homeless uh, for two years uh, because of that. And, uh, and so, I, so I really buy into uh, Simon Sinek's words about that because he talked about this one company, the CEO, who's like, well, here's what we're going to do. We're going to furlough everybody in the company so that no one gets laid off. And, you know, and then he also allowed people to volunteer additional hours to some of the employees who, uh, you know, who are in need. And he kept the company together. And then when they came out of the low economic times, uh, everyone ended up getting bonuses and they kept moving forward, right? He's trying to explain that we need to be putting the people first in the organization instead of, you know, necessarily the bottom line, which is what shareholders and stockholders end up doing. They care about the bottom line. You know, I mean, for example, Tesla this week, Elon Musk stepped down. He's an INTP. Uh, it, the CFO took over and their stock soared. Well, I mean, let's be honest. Uh, who is that CFO? That CFO is an STJ, okay? Every time an STJ has been put in charge of a company, it's gone downhill. Oh, wait, the last time that happened. Oh, when Steve <laughs> Jobs was ousted from Apple. Wait, that happened, right? And then all of a sudden, Apple started losing, right? Because the person who was providing that vision was gone, right? Well, we're going to, you know, everyone's super happy that, that Elon Musk is no longer CEO of Tesla. Okay, yeah, you may be happy now with your hot uh, stock prices, but guess what? That's just going to keep going downhill over time until Elon Musk is back, and he will be back in that CEO chair, mark my words. So when that happens, you know, you guys, everyone has to understand, you know, why it's important to have NFs in an entrepreneurial role. Without them, we're not going to get that positive social change. We're not going to get quality of life changes. We're just not. I mean, the institution of slavery was abolished because of NFs. Even NF entrepreneurs, NF, uh, like, the, like the Underground Railroad itself uh, was started by, by idealists uh, who were in positions of authority and power uh, within the culture at the time. Uh, back in the day when it comes to, you know, getting slaves from the South to the North, right? So you have to understand just how pivotal, uh, you know, NFs are in this role uh, specifically. And you know what I've noticed, and correct me if I'm wrong, but and I, I think I've come up to this conclusion with observing the industry and observing entrepreneurship. And I feel like because obviously SJs and SPs are the majority. They're the 70% of the world. And you have the NTs and the NFs. I literally feel like 95% of entrepreneurs, and by entrepreneurs, I mean CEOs. I mean people who do their own thing, people who don't follow the rules, who don't have a job. I, I feel like 95% of entrepreneurs are either NTs or NFs because... Uh, and not, I'm not saying there's no exceptions, but it feels to me that 
because they're future thinkers, they have the physical ability to imagine something that doesn't exist. They're able to create something that doesn't exist, as opposed to someone who's an SJ or an SP who uh, are more focused on what's happening now or what's happened in the past. But I would love to know from your expertise, is that actually true or am I just crazy? It's, it's, it's partially true. Uh, so there's a couple of caveats in there. Uh, so statistically speaking, from a very rational TE child point of view, you are 100% correct. Yes, it's a very rational. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, so uh, but yes, generally speaking, um, SJs and SPs are way less entrepreneur than NJs and NFs. Now, not to get all political here, the reason why the United States of America is a constitutional republic and not just a straight democracy, if everything was chosen by popular vote, the 70% less entrepreneurial population will vote out the wealth out from under the 30% intuitive population, which are statistically more successful. So they make up the minority, yet they're statistically more successful, especially uh, you know, in terms of business and financial, uh, financial growth. So it would make sense that if you have 70% of the world who is not really that way, yet they make up the majority. They have the majority of the voting power uh, in, a, in a true democracy where everything is decided by popular vote. Those people are naturally going to vote away the wealth of the intuitive 30% population. That's one of the biggest problems. Now, that's not to say that SJs and SPs can't be entrepreneurial. Like for example, my ISCP cousin, he's a self-made man. He started working really hard when he was 15 and now he has a multi-million dollar uh, HVAC company. Uh, very fantastic. Never went to, uh, I mean, he did go to college, but he didn't really get a bachelor's degree. He's just like, oh, I got my associate's degree. Okay, I'm doing business now. And then <laughs> he did it and, it, and it's fantastic. Uh, now, the thing, about, uh, the thing about SPs and SJs, they can become entrepreneurial, but they're usually not so entrepreneurial until later in life. Uh, they're more focused on physical things like athletics or the sure things or following the bouncing ball, like becoming a doctor, for example, or, uh, or becoming a lawyer, uh, et cetera. Because like doctors and lawyers, STJs dominate in that area. The majority of them out there are STJs. Uh, SFJs get really involved in being housewives or family-oriented or very church-oriented. And uh, SPs, SPs struggle in the workforce, the, the blue collar jobs, it's mostly a struggle, but they don't, they either create their own blue collar company and then that blue collar company is what it is. Although I have seen ESTPs doing really well in marketing uh, recently, which is fantastic to see that they're kind of growing in that area, but they're a bit behind the curve statistically amongst everybody else. Uh, the other SPs, though, the SFPs, they're more focused on performance or, or creating art. It's the arts, basically, or performing arts. So it's not as entrepreneurial, but they can. But they're the ones that are, like, usually in the shows a lot and whatnot and um, doing talent shows, et cetera. I mean, it's like a Taylor Swift, she's an ESFP, right? Uh, then, uh, and then ISTPs, which kind of the jack of all trades, masters of none, and they can just kind of do everything. They can start their own company, but again, it's them creating that blue collar job. 
that that blue collar company basically mm -hmm. that's like an HVAC firm, etc. But in terms of like the people who who really think big, the people who can see what is possible and want to do what is possible, those types of people that uh, Tony Robbins, a uh, famous ENFP. A lot of people disagree with me when I say that, but yes, he is an ENFP, and yeah, I'm definitely gonna be doing a show on that. But uh, Tony Robbins said. People are rewarded in public for what they have practiced for years in private. And those are the intuitives. Those are the people who have spent the 10 years of training behind the scenes trying to understand and gain mastery. Robert Greene, an INFP, wrote a book called Mastery. If you are listening to this, buy this book, read it immediately. He is an INFP, and I know a lot of INFPs and INFJs, actually NFs in general, have a lot of huge problems with, with Robert Greene because they're like, he's teaching people to be evil. <laughs> no, actually, he's teaching people to be wise. That's the difference. You have to understand, like, there's people look at, look, in, uh, look at life like this. They look at life like true versus false or good versus bad, good versus evil. You need to stop looking like that. The real NFs that have really, even from an entrepreneurial position or even from a spiritual position, whatever position that is, that have really brought quality of life changes and positive social change for our race as a whole. Those NFs, what they did, they did something different. They had something different. They didn't view life as good or bad or true versus false or good versus evil, black and white. They did not view life that way. They looked at life like this. What is wise? What is unwise? That's it. Even Jesus, an INFJ said, be as gentle as doves, you know, be as harmless as doves but as wise as serpents. There's a reason he said that. And INFJ figured that out, right? So it's all about wisdom. Wisdom is the most valuable resource, the most valuable substance in all of the cosmos, just under love, of course. Love is the absolute. But in order to gain love and actually have mastery of love specifically, you have to be wise and actually know what it means. You have to have that knowledge uh, you know, that, that wisdom is born out of in order to actually understand love to begin with right? And that's what NFs, these higher NFs, these more successful NF idealists have actually done. They realize that life is to be looked at from what is wise versus what is not wise. That is the actual real standard. And Robert Greene figured that out in his books. He did that with the 48 Laws of Power. Uh, his, his most important book, in my opinion, especially for the INFJs listening, especially for you <laughs> folks, uh, the 50th Law. I swear, he, he wrote the 50th law with 50 cents specifically for INFJs, I think. <laughs> uh, the 50th law, which is the, the, the 50th law of power, which is talking about fearlessness and letting go of fear, right? And uh, very, very important, important, especially INFJs who have performance anxiety, constant mm -hmm. performance anxiety that they struggle with, right? So we have to make sure that you know, we're focused on what is wise versus what is not. And that's really what separates the NF men from the NF boys, the NF women from the NF girls, entrepreneurial or otherwise. It's all about the wisdom. And Simon Sinek has it figured out. Robert Greene has it figured out. Gary Vaynerchuk, he's an ENFP. He's got that figured out. I mean, we're probably having this conversation right now because you probably read a book called Crush It years ago, right? There's, there's, it's a very important book. Everyone needs to read Crush It. And he just released Crushing It and almost done with it. But uh, Gary Vaynerchuk, he is an ENFP. And yet people tell me, no, he's an ENTP. No, no, he's not an ENTP. <laughs> he's an ENFP, just like Ty Lopez. Sorry. You know, that's a fact. <laughs> yeah. 
I, I always quote you when I say uh, that Tony Robbins, Ty Lopez, Dave Asprey, um, Gary Vee, um, and you know, um, what I love about what you talk about on your YouTube channel is the stuff that we should be focusing on. So let's, let's give them a few examples. So let's give a few examples for each of the four types, what they should be focusing their energy. Like, for example, how you talk about the ENFPs and reading and stuff like that. And yeah, okay. What should we be focusing on to self-actualize, to be successful, and to be fulfilled at the same time? Okay. So let's see here. Okay, so starting with the ENFJs, um, direct initiating control, uh, affiliative, uh, abstract, uh, very motive-based or um, interest-focused. So ENFJs, also known as the mentor. Uh, the mentor, in order to self-actualize properly, needs to be able to get to a point where, yes, they're focused on giving everyone a good experience. Yes, they're, they're really helping out other people. But um, I met a mentor recently who actually did figure this out. Um, he was in a town, and uh, it's actually a pretty big town. It was out in, um, it was out in Detroit, actually. And uh, he, he, was, he, was a, he was a church leader. He was a church leader in the area, and he couldn't find a pastoral job to save his life. There just really wasn't any out there. It was a problem. It ended up becoming an issue. And he just noticed something, and he read a statistic that really, really bothered him. And it was something about, like, only 9% of the money that actually goes into churches actually makes it back out to the community. He was insanely triggered by this, absolutely insanely triggered. So what he did was, he's like, fine. I'm not going to be a pastor because then I'm going to be contributing to the problem. I'm not going to do that because he noticed that because all the churches in the area were competing for parishioners because they were competing for the money that the parishioners would bring, that was actually hurting the community. It was harming the community. So what he decided was, is like, I'm going to create a new 501c3 organization uh, and it's a church coalition. And he went around to all the churches and recruited all of the churches uh, for something better. He met up with a couple ENFPs, some INFPs uh, who were supporting. A lot of those NFPs were actually pastors uh, within uh, the area. ENFPs uh, and INFPs make really good uh, religious leaders and have been since like forever. Uh, so based on that, he recruited them together and he basically, this was his pitch. It was, it was fantastic. He told the churches, listen, how about... We do fundraiser after fundraiser and event after event to raise a bunch of money. And they're like, well, how much money? He's like, 50 million. We're going to raise 50 million right now. And we're going to do it within this community. We're going to invite other churches to participate outside of the community. And we're going to be bringing in this $50 million. And then they're like, okay, why? He's like, because this is what we're going to do. With this part of town, there isn't the hospital. The closest hospital is like a 30 to 45 minute drive given, uh, you know, the long distance and it's just really uncomfortable. It's just not going to work. And with this $50 million, we're going to contact one of the bigger hospital conglomerates and be like, hey, here's $50 million. You invest, you either meet the amount of money that we're bringing, that we're even, or maybe even double the amount of money that we're bringing to the table with our coalition and you drop a hospital. And they're like, well, and they're like, well, why do we need a hospital? And he's like, what are you talking about? People can't get the care that they need. They have to go a long distance. Here's the other thing the hospital will bring. You know, like 3,000 jobs. People would be moving to the community, which means, oh, wait, more parishioners. Oh, wait, now you don't have to, you don't have to like, you know, compete for parishioners because your churches are going to be full because of all the jobs that we're bringing in with this coalition, right? See, that's a self-actualized ENFJ 
taking charge, leading the vision, taking that vision, taking that philosophy and executing it and bringing the community about for something better. Because he figured out, hey, maybe we need to be focusing on building up our infrastructure, which will bring jobs, which will bring in more people so that the churches stop competing with each other so that it gets to a point guaranteed that the 9% of the money going into the churches or, uh, you know, 9% of all, of all the money going to churches makes it back to the community, that that is not happening in Detroit. That's something I can get behind. And this is what this ENFJ figured out. He's a good man. You know, this is something we need. You know, that's, that's an actual example of what an ENFJ should do. Take charge, lead the movement, execute the vision, execute the philosophy. And then obviously surround himself with the NFPs around him to continue to provide additional vision because sometimes ENFJs, they get so stressed out with, uh, you know, I, I, I don't think I, they get worried that they're not good enough, that they're not worried, worthy enough to do it. But those NFPs around them just supercharge them. They energize them like, hey, we, we believe in, here's the philosophy. They keep reminding them of the philosophy. They keep reminding them of the vision. They actually provide warning, kind of like an oracle right? Hey, there's this thing coming. You see that bus? It's about to hit you. Here, get out of the way. The, the NFP does, the NFJ, and then they're like, wow, you know. ENFPs, different approach entirely. Uh, ENFPs, uh, I've learned how to be charitable with people, specifically because of ENFPs. The best, the best ENFP uh, mentor, I, I've had two of them. One is a guy by the name of um, uh, Jeff Fisher, a fantastic dude. Um, he, um, he's an ENFP. Uh, he used to uh, own Fish in Your Dish uh, Entertainment. Uh, he uh, wrote a book uh, recently, a fantastic uh, fellow. Um, he uh, he uh, had, it was in a rough spot in his life. He ended up getting his girlfriend pregnant at the time, and now he's got two amazing children. They're married, etc. cetera. Uh, he got involved with Advocare as well, and he, uh, he's really done a lot. And he he, uh, he's a serial entrepreneur. He actually had a railing company for a while. I worked for him at this railing company and he was one of my mentors. I'm actually here talking to you and your audience because of Jeff Fisher, this ENFP. And he, he always was like, wow, dude, are you for real? Like he'd always have that attitude with me because I was like a man child in those days. And he really helped point me in the direction of manhood. And it was because of him that he pointed me to this other guy uh, about the time I became homeless, I ended up starting working for this other guy. And one of my coworkers working for that other guy was my first mentor, right? And it was all because he knew that he just, he was compelled. He just he couldn't explain it. His expert intuition hero was going off and it's like, hey, Chase needs to talk to this guy. See, that's a perfect example of how ENFPs really bring super mega value to the table, connecting other people. Because ENFPs keep track of literally everything. They literally keep track of people and everyone that they meet, and they understand, okay, this person has that value, this person has that value, this person has that value, this value add here, this value prop here. And then all of a sudden, oh, wait, it makes sense. People should be coming together and, and making those recommendations and bringing those people together while simultaneously bringing their core inner philosophy to other people. Bringing those people together, that could be entrepreneurs or whatever, it allows people to have great things. You think that NFJ in Detroit was actually able to pull off that coalition of churches, right? Do you think they were actually able to do that without the help of an NFP or an ENFP behind them basically connecting all the people? He didn't have pre-existing relationships with the religious leaders in the community. So he had to get one of the ENFP pastors to actually do who did have the connections. 
You will not find anyone more connected than an ENFP. You just won't. ENTPs are really good connections too. ENFPs have absolute total dominating mastery over connections. I mean, LinkedIn is literally the ENFP playground. Let's is be honest. It? Wow, yeah. very interesting. And and you always say that ENFPs are the best salespeople as well. Hands down, absolute best salespeople. Uh, Jeff Fisher, for example, everyone would tell me, you got to be careful, man. He'll start talking off the gum on the bottom of his shoe and you'll end up pulling <laughs> out your wallet. <laughs> it was true. It was true. I've seen it every time. He could sell anything. It was insane. <laughs> it, it, yeah, and they're, they're amazing at sales. Uh, if, if you're not in sales and you're an ENFP, you're doing it wrong. Sales and marketing, because ENFPs are walking personal brands. You see this consistently with Ty Lopez. You see it consistently with Gary Vee all the time. Uh, even Conor McGregor. Oh, wait. Did I say that? Yes. <laughs> is he, is he I, an ENFP as well? To my knowledge currently, yes. I do believe he's an ENFP. I'll have to verify that later yeah. with TI Current, but to my knowledge, yes, Conor McGregor yeah. is an ENFP, and he's a walking personal brand, definitely. Yeah. Uh, you know, and obviously Tony Robbins, uh, David Asprey, also an ENFP. Uh, they're all about trying to find that one thing better, you know, read, yeah. read, read, constantly reading, and then through all that reading, they're able to connect not, in the same way that they're able to have the, they, because they're walking Rolodexes, right? In the same way they're able to connect people, they can also connect ideas and see the patterns between ideas and how ideas fit together in this bigger puzzle piece. And then they can provide that puzzle piece in a form of a product to people. David Asprey did this with Bulletproof, right? Yeah. And Bulletproof Coffee. And now they have all these other tons of products out there, right? Yeah. That's not to say that, you know, ENFPs don't have their failures at times because even David Asprey has had a lot of failures throughout but failure is the norm. Failure is expected, right? See, that's the difference. ENFPs just have this thing because like, like the old saying goes, you know, a righteous man will fall seven times, but will rise again, you know, but a wicked man will just stumble and fall and he'll stay down after falling down that one time, right? The ENFPs got the guts to be able to stand up when they're left for dead naked in a ditch and it's raining and cold outside <laughs> and there's cars driving by and no one's going to help this person but they have the guts and their humility to stand up in the rain and just take walking one step at a time, every step forward, instead of, you know, being tempted to potentially blow their brains out. Yeah. See, that's the ENFP defiance of life. And it's that defiance that really allows them to move forward and actually uh, keep going. Because from their standpoint, it's like, I may not be able to finish everything, but if I keep starting and I keep starting, I keep starting, guess what? <laughs> One of them is going to lead me to success. Very That's the difference. So how do they augment that? How do they actually make that happen? Yes, I talk about reading consistently so you can link ideas and meeting new people so that you can link people yeah. together in your Rolodex. Ideas and people, these become the two engines as a Venn diagram, which makes the ENFP stronger and more capable, especially in entrepreneurship. They will absolutely dominate, just like Gary yeah. Vee has. Do you know... And do you know Russell Brunson by any chance? Do you know Russell I, Brunson? I do not. No, I do not. Look him up. He he's um, uh, in, in our space. He's as big as um, Grant Cardone and Gary Vee. Um, but I I think he's an ENFP as well, and he has created a cult following uh, of uh, other marketers who are literally walking mini Russells. Um, and he ha he's the founder of ClickFunnels, which is a uh, which is like a software that all entrepreneurs. Oh right, yeah, ClickFunnels. Yeah. I use them all the time. Yeah, Fantastic. there you go. So Russell Brunson created ClickFunnels, and if you watch some of his stuff, I I have a theory that he's an ENFP as well. 
um, it'll be interesting to see what you think. Definitely yes. do that. Maybe I, maybe I'll do that on one of my upcoming how to type lectures, Ooh. right? Yes, exactly. So you never know. <laughs> but I think he is. I think he is. He talks super fast. He's very, you know, um, he's very similar to me in many ways on stage. So it will be interesting to see. But yes, ENFPs, I, as an ENFP, well, uh, I am 99.99999%. I'm sure I'm ENFP, but obviously I'm always uh, open to be proven wrong. But uh, it has definitely been true for me. Everybody, well, so am I, to be honest. You, you, are, you are sure as well. I, I'm very sure, yes. You're very sure. Uh, but for me, reading, uh, learning courses, uh, one, of my, one of my favorite things to do is to, when I create video adverts, is to take an industry. Let's say I watched a Dollar Shave uh, Club uh, adverts on YouTube, and I will create an advert that I will reverse engineer that advert for the grooming industry and I will implement it into my industry. And it's like the kind of stuff that I am just so good at, at seeing other people. And it's not like copying others. It's more like modeling. It's like, what can, you know, when I was doing my website. The ultimate benchmark, yes. It's the ultimate benchmark. When I was, when I was doing my website, and I say this to people all the time, when I was doing my website, I looked for zero of my competitors for inspiration. I looked at Apple. And I looked at Adobe as brands for inspiration for my brand as a creator. And, uh, you know, I always, that's, that's the, the stuff that I'm really good at just to, to see what other people in other industries are doing and adapting that to me, connecting dots, basically. That's what it is. Yeah, it's, it really is connecting dots. Uh, being able to, you have to harvest the ideas because ENFPs are the thought vampires. You have to be collecting thoughts consistently. And, you know, uh, um, like, like a, a, an INTJ a mentor of mine last year taught me something called case. He's like, copy and steal everything is what he, <laughs> what he said for our, uh, for our uh, presentations at, at my day job. And, uh, yeah, uh, for sure. I mean, he's right. Copy and steal everything. But it's not necessarily the word, word steal per se, because you're doing augmentation. You're taking, uh, you're, you're weaving. It's like you're basket weaving or you're, uh, you're putting new genes in this, this code and you're taking pieces from other things and putting it together and creating something new. That is the ENFP way. And ENFPs, the, like, who, who is the most successful ENFP on planet Earth right now? It's, it's Tony Robbins, let's be honest. And, uh, he really figured out the formula. His formula is this. All I have to do is just go to the people who are already successful and ask them how they did it and then tell other people. That's it. That was his <laughs> formula. So you kind of did the same thing. I'm going to look at all of the companies and their branding that have successful brands and then just ask them how they did it or find out how they did it and then just tell other people. That's it. That's, that's, literally, that's literally it. And that is the ENFP way. Uh, and that is the ENFP formula for success right there. Obviously, they got to get over their fear. Obviously, you have to force yourself to do things that you've never done before because uh, ENFPs can get stuck in their comfort zone and be resistant oh, yeah. to change at times, which can, it can, it can really hurt them and stagnate them and hurt their growth. So you have to have some discipline to force yourself to do things you've never done before, even if you're not in the mood to do it. You know, that, that sucks. Uh, but, but yeah, that's... That's the ENFP way. That is the ENFP way of success. Now, INFJs, so moving on to the next one. INFJs, very different. 
INFJs, uh, while similar to ENFPs, uh, or to ENFJs and how, because they're both NFJs, ENFJs are more of like collective-based uh, uh, social change, you know, doing something for the entire community at whole. INFJs are different. INFJs are more about improving the and repairing uh, and healing the damage uh, or improving relationships at a smaller scale. A smaller scale, yes, but with higher quality, right? So ENFJs, big scale, thinking big, go big, go home, big, 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 just like ENFPs would be like big, big, big as well. ENFJs are all about what is big, and I've got to reach the highest amount of people I possibly can, et cetera. I mean, it's kind of like, you know, like King David in the Old Testament and God's like, don't count your armies because you find yourself worth based on the number of your armies, et cetera. It's because ENFJs just got to go big. And that's what they do. But INFJs are different. INFJs, while their number one export in life is to improve their fellow human beings, they do this on a case-by-case basis, one person at a time or one small group at a time leading a wolf pack basically having a um having a group of people you know kind of like jesus's uh, closest disciples right his wolf pack was just like 12 dudes right literally just 12 dudes and and those people are the ones that started the movement it's really investing so much of your time and energy and like an, an infj who's got a business and whatnot it's really actually about sure it's about their customer but it's also about their relationship with their executive team their executive team is everything to them because without having that executive team, they will literally fall apart. They, because they are drawing their self-worth actually out from that executive team. But they also know the payback for that is that the executive team is also, because of how much the INFJ has improved them, made them better, raised their status, that those people are diehard loyal to the INFJ to the point of being willing to sacrifice their life for the INFJ. I mean, it's no different with the story of Jesus because he literally picked random dudes off the street or even people who had horrible reputations like a tax collector who was taking money on the side from people, you know? And that they have these reputations of not being honest men, etc. yet he chose those people as uh, his disciples. Why didn't he pick someone from the temple or whatever? It's, it's the whole point. It's, it's the whole thing. It's because the INFJ is trying to prove literally trying to prove to everybody that every person out there actually has value. You just have to extract the value out of them and then use the fires of truth to burn away the lies. That's what the INFJ is for, is to literally burn away the lies. The TI child is pure truth and truth is literally the same as hellfire. So yes, INFJs, when they open their mouth, they're literally breathing fire, dragon fire. You know, I mean, we could go all Kanye West dragon energy on that one if we want, but probably not going to. But uh, the point is breathing fire to the point where those lies are being burned away. And that's exactly what my INFJ mentor did to me. He burned the lies away. He had me questioning absolutely everything that I believed, everything that I knew. And you know what the best part was? When everything was burned away, and I really was a clean slate, a tabula rasa, after that extremely, excruciatingly painful six months of that, of that training and that tutelage under him, and it, and it was excruciating. I was, I was completely broken. I've never felt so depressed and so lost in my life. You know what? He didn't write upon me himself. He actually just said, all right, figure it out. Go figure it out. You're free now. 
See, that's what's amazing. He he wasn't so he wasn't so corrupt that he would actually write on my soul at that point in time and then, you know, change my life based like that. You know, see a lot of time a lot of INFJs and, and some ENFPs actually because they have INFJ uh, shadow or unconscious, a lot of INFJs out there getting a bad rap about being cult leaders. It's because after they've told the truth and they've created these people and made them stronger in Tabe Rasas, then they start writing upon these pe- person's souls for their own selfish gain, right? See, that's the difference. INFJs, they're supposed to be these huge creators or these huge bringers of integrity, these huge examples of integrity, or they can be on the other opposite end of the extreme, this huge example of corruption. That's a problem. ENFBs have similar issues. They could be the most selfish human beings on the planet, but they can also be the most selfless human beings on the planet. And that's another thing. Gary V, probably the most selfless ENFP I have ever seen. He is insanely charitable all the time, constantly adding value all the time. And his adding value is the standard now for marketing or sales or business or entrepreneurship all over the world. He literally is the foundation for marketing, sales, and entrepreneurship now through his principles, the principles of FI Parent that's been told to everybody through TE Child, the principles in his book, Crush It and Crushing It. That's the foundation, right? Now, the INFJ has to mirror people. And when they're mirroring, they're building their wolf pack because every INFJ has to have a wolf pack. Every INFJ has to have their disciples. Every INFJ has to have their executive team, right? These people that they're building up, they're trying to create this huge amount of quality in these human beings so that they are insanely effective. And as a result of that, they have diehard loyalty for the person because the INFJ, their greatest desire is to have someone who is diehard loyal to them and having that wolf pack around them, that wolf pack becomes their new family, right? Provided they are that example of integrity. But it's because of that example of integrity that the INFJ is actually able to move forward with them. And that's the difference. Simon Sinek, we'll go back to Simon Sinek, INFJ. He's all about integrity. He's constantly preaching about integrity all the time to businesses and business leaders throughout the world. Integrity is everything to him. And that is why his followers are diehard loyal to him. So so the the number one formula for success, uh, you know, for the INFJ, it, it really is about integrity constant, continuous self-improvement, but from the integrity standpoint, to the point where you're not drawing your sense of integrity from other people, you are drawing that sense of integrity from within. And you recognize that if you have corrupted people or corrupt people around you, you yourself are at risk of becoming corrupt, right? See, that's the issue. Uh, you have to, so yeah, integrity is the, is the model for success. And as much as charity is the model for success for INFPs, right? Because INF or, or ENFPs, because ENFPs, yeah, they gather people and those connections, their Rolodex, and they gather those thoughts, but they're giving it to other people. It's through charity at the end of the day. INFJs, it's all about integrity. Integrity is everything. And it is because of their example of integrity that they are able to execute social change as well to that foundational philosophy that they stand on. However, if that INFJ does not have that foundation of a philosophy of a philosophy underneath their feet, they're going to end up in a vicious cycle of constant corruption and wonder why they're not getting anywhere in life. It's because they never found that philosophy. So they need to talk to NFPs about that. They need to go to NFPs and find that philosophy 
And so by finding that philosophy that they believe in so hardcore, they start to execute that philosophy, mold that philosophy, improve upon and build upon that philosophy so that they could finally find that absolute standard of integrity that they hold for themselves and then lead that integrity by example for people around them. I would trust Simon Sinek completely. I would like knowing him and, and, and meeting him, I would, I would put full trust in that individual. Why? Because I know his integrity is that hardcore. He is an example of integrity for the rest of the world that people should be following. And as much as Gandhi was, right, and as much as Jesus Christ was, right, and people put their faith into these people, that's the point. INFJs exist so that people could put their faith in them, provided they are living in integrity and being examples of integrity. So and we have the INFPs. We have yes, the INFPs. The Go INFPs, yes. So similar to ENFPs, yes, they need to read and they need to gather connections and um, and put ideas together, but not at the expense of their own value system. INFPs as idealists, they basically kind of come with their own uh, idealistic value system to begin with, and their value system is not necessarily really molded by external forces in as much as it would be for an ENFP. An INFP's own value system basically has higher priority over others and this uh, over, over external influences, unless, of course, they end up succumbing to groupthink based on, you know, research and, you know, credentialed people who are, uh, who are looking good and making these decisions because they have a really hard time verifying things on their own in as much as ENFPs do. Luckily, NFJs exist to provide the verification because verifying your own beliefs and it's good. But here's the thing. If you don't have any NFJs around, what is an NFP to do? Read. Read constantly because getting other people's opinions and other people's points of view is how you are able to solo uh, by yourself, verify your belief system so that you know that your beliefs are valid, right? But that's the journey of the INFP is always making sure that what they believe is valid, right? And it's that validity that really causes them to be the absolute creator of the core inner personal philosophy, where they are the ultimate source of the core inner personal philosophy, the, the absolute source of the vision itself. And they are able to provide that foundation. And their only job is to provide that philosophical foundation for NFJs to build upon. Whereas ENFPs, they actually find the ideas of others, right? And they build their foundation based on the ideas of others, per se. Right. INFPs, they can do that, but it's very secondary to them. What's actually primarily to them is that they already have their value system set. They're just trying to find the ideas that would help build up their value system even more and get out there. Like INFPs are so afraid of their values and their value system being squelched by the loud, absolute loud planet that we live on and other people's ideas and people valuing or thinking that those other ideas are more valid than theirs. When they know deep down in their own hearts and souls that that's not true. And Robert Greene does this absolutely perfectly in his book, uh, The Ma Mastery. Also his book, The 50th Law. And his book, uh, The Laws of Human Nature. Uh, which I'm still currently reading because it just came out. Uh, but... Uh, when he talks about mastery and how people need to reach mastery, he's using a lot of historical examples. Uh, he offers, you know, hey, uh, 
you have to make sure that you have the guts to never give up, which is a very Naruto-esque standpoint from that anime. But uh, specifically for um, for Robert Greene, though, he also goes into the 50th law, and it's like, it's all about fear. INFPs are very afraid that their values will be squelched by other people. They're afraid of what other people would think of their values. And Robert Greene says specifically, it's like... Um, you know, he's even talking to INFPs or talking to himself when he talks about it. It's like, hey, you know, don't be afraid. Your value system will stand on its own because it itself is valuable. Just don't lose yourself. Don't give up on your value system. Your value system is supreme at the end of the day. It's not, who cares what other people think about it? Somebody someday will listen to you and agree with you. And then you just have to find another, and then another, and then another, and then it will slowly build a movement as a result. I mean, Robert Greene's books, I think they have probably the highest selling books in history next to the Bible in some cases, for example. And there's a reason for that. A lot of people, especially people of his own type or fellow NFPs, constantly deride him and demonize him and tell him he's a horrible human being consistently by fellow NFPs because you're just teaching people to be evil. <laughs> he doesn't see life as good and evil. His value system has grown that much that he realizes the truth. The truth is life is not about black and white, good or evil, good or bad, true, false. It's about what is wise and what is not. Me as an ENTP, IFTI parent, I'm constantly telling people about true and false. I'm telling people that I believe in absolute truth and all these things, but none of that matters. It really doesn't because the real fact is life is about what is wise and what is not. Even I agree. I am even willing to take my TI parent and lay it down at Robert Greene's feet and be like, yeah, you're still right or more right than I am <laughs> because it's what is wise and what is not. That really is Robert Greene's core interpersonal philosophy. His value system has grown that much over time. Yes, he's taken other people's ideas, but it wasn't the foundation. Wisdom was the foundation. His value system was the foundation, and it's just the ideas that he added to it to prove his value system, right? ENFPs, it's the other way around. It's that they're trying to discover their value system as a result of gathering that social proof. Whereas the INFP, it's the other around. I know my value system is the truth. I'm just going to find the things out there that prove me correct to yeah. show y'all that's how it is. And then they have that foundation, that core interpersonal philosophy. And like ENFPs, they become that huge source of inspiration that helps everybody on a massive scale and really propels our race forward. And guess yeah. what? If you need wisdom, yeah, you should be reading like a lot of wisdom-based books from a long time ago. But quite frankly, go to Robert Greene. Read all of his books. You will get wisdom pretty quick because, I mean, especially the 48 Laws of Power, it's insane. It's not, about, it's not about gaining power for yourself because, oh, wait, everything we do in life is about gaining power, you know? Yeah. Wow, my nose is insanely itchy right now. Uh, <laughs> the point is, yeah, I, I, I get allergies right now, and the allergies are not good outside. Trust me. Uh, anyway, uh, but yeah, that's... That's really the key to success for INFPs. Don't be afraid of allowing your value system to be squelched or concerned that it will happen or worried or afraid that it'll happen. Yes, it will happen. But as long as you stay the course and eventually find the ideas that support your value system, your core inner philosophy, your belief system that you know is absolutely valid, 
keep moving forward, you will find it. And it'll become this giant tower, a bastion that people will flock to because it's like this giant oak tree and everything else is burning down around the oak tree, but yet it still stands tall in this huge storm and there's lightning going and everything. You know, it's, it's fine. It will be there. It will stand the test of time. INFPs are literally just like the pyramids. The pyramids are still here. Yeah. That's, yeah. that's the thing. Like the INFP is like the pyramids uh, or, or the seven wonders of the world. Their legacy, it's basically indefinite and it's hard coded into the collective unconscious of mankind as we know it. Right. Yeah. And it's the NFJs that take that foundation and are able to propel it forward. So that's, yeah. that's my answer to your question for that. No, no, I love it. And everybody, I have so many people commenting. If you guys are loving this, type in one. We still have so many people that have stuck around for this time. So it's, you know, I think it's super valuable. And uh, I'm going to I'm gonna rewatch this over and over again. Um, and <laughs> no, I, I, I do. I do because it's, it's fascinating to me how how much we it's at least maybe for some people you know for some of the ni people it's very easy for them to know exactly what they want and go for it but for some like like me i have to figure out what i don't want and i have to go to other people to see what they have to see oh maybe i want that too or maybe i don't want that it's like it's a constant yeah. struggle it's a constant struggle and it's just super useful and you know david fiona and Liam, they're all saying brilliant thank you i'll be re-watching too so they'll be watching as well now um, uh, I don't think we'll have a time to go through all the types and compatibility, but let's give an example for uh, entrepreneurs, ENFP, uh, and, uh, and who they attract as clients, as mentors. So, for example, I noticed that most of my clients uh, and followers are ENFPs, INFJs, ENTJs, or ENFJs, um, you know. I would love to give an example as to how the compatibility between the types and, and who tends to resonate the most with the ENFP and why. Okay, fair enough. Uh, so uh, basically uh, you want to, in terms of uh, compatibility, uh, in terms of mentors and how to become better entrepreneurs, better business people, um, there's basically four types that I would uh, go for with any type. You would want to find uh, people that are highest compatible, top two highest compatibility with you. So, for example, as an ENFP, you would want to have NFJs as close as much as possible. Uh, also, you would want to learn from your superego, and you would also want to learn from your subconscious. Your subconscious represents the better you. So, for an ENFP, that would be an ISTJ. And as stressful as those people can be for you, uh, those are the people that will teach you the most. Because can I give you? Can I give you a funny story quickly? Sure, I lived, sure. I lived. I lived with an ISTJ for four and a half years. That was my ex. It was an ISTJ. It was very challenging, and it ended like six months ago. <laughs> but anyway, keep going. <laughs> yeah, it, but it's that challenge. It's that challenge right there that actually makes yeah. you better. It's 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 insanely challenging. Uh, I. Um, for me, I, um, I have a few ISFJs in my life, especially yeah. my mother. Everyone yeah. knows my mother is an ISFJ. <laughs> yeah. She's an insanely challenging person to me all the time. And, and to be honest, though, like, I, I know that I can go to her and just be like, okay, here's what I'm thinking. I know what you're going to tell me. 
but I'm going to tell you anyway, because <laughs> I just, you know, I, I got to talk to you about it because I know you're going to criticize me and tell me I'm wrong. And, and I just, I probably need to hear it, but I just, so let me have it. And, and she does. And she is insanely challenging to me. It is, it is really, really hard sometimes, yeah. but I learn so much from her and I wouldn't have even gotten on my wisdom kick un unless it was for my mother. I mean, she'd read of me the course. book of Proverbs and the book of James and other wisdom oriented stories all the time as a little boy, constantly trying to hammer it in my head. Right. And, uh, and it was hammered and I understand it, you know, uh, but she's doing that for me. And, and then there's also, uh, ESFPs. I was married to an ESFP for a long time, you know, and there's the super ego. And I actually became snarky and sarcastic <laughs> and actually able to command a crowd uh, yeah. specifically because of her influence, because she's also pretty funny and hilarious. And then I also get that experience from, you know, the INTJs in my life who are like yeah. super highest compatibility, like Jab, he's my, my co-host on the live stream. He's uh, a very fantastic um, INTJ is very funny as well. And I learned from him and how organized he is. And then I also learned from, from ENTJs. Uh, one of the reasons I was able to even start this company at all is because I had an ENTJ and he gave me this book called Lean Startup by Eric Reese. And he's like, your problem is that you're trying to go too big. And I'm like, dude, I'm an ENTP, man. Go big or go home or you're not bringing <laughs> big enough. And then he's like, yeah, but you're not getting anywhere. Like you're on a rocking horse, man, a lot of movement, but going nowhere, read this book, understand the concept of the minimum viable product. Okay. And then I read the book and I'm like, Oh crap. He's actually <laughs> right. It took me six months to take his advice, by the way. Oh, wow. I should have taken his advice sooner. I'd been a lot further along six months ahead had I did right. But I didn't. So I was, I was foolish again. That kind of foolishness right there is why Robert Greene's actually correct. Life is about what is wise and what is not. Right. Yeah. So, you know, it's those things. So you want to get your your polar opposite and your the super ISTJ, ego. Yep. Super yeah. ego. Super ego is my dad. Funny enough, my dad's an ESTP. My mom is an yeah. ENFP. My dad is an ESTP. Uh, my ex is an ISTJ, and my assistant and my uh, ads manager is an INFJ, both of them, funny enough. so uh, it, Yeah, I, you basically got the, the, the whole set right there. I the whole set. Well, I don't have my ex anymore, and to be honest with you, I would never get in a relationship with an ISTJ ever again just because it just doesn't I know. Work. But Socionic says it is. Socionic says that's the best, right? No, it right? does not work. It does not work. If you're, by the way, there are so many ENFPs I know watching this who are married to ISTJs. It is, yeah, it's so common, but I would never do it again. I can't. It's just not. You know, I don't recommend it. No. I actually people that I people that I've coached actually, and they, they talk to me and they're like, I'm having some struggles with my marriage. I need you to help me out. And I'm like, <laughs> okay. And I'm like, okay, I know what your type is. And they're like, okay, well, here's the type of my husband. And I'm like, <laughs> you're like, yeah. what? <laughs> like, I'll be honest. I have told people that I've coached. Okay. Yeah. You need to like get a divorce. You're not going to change them. They're not going to change you. It's time to move on. But yeah. I'm so afraid. And I'm like, read this book called The 50th Law. Robert Greene wrote it. I think you might actually uh, understand why you need to after reading that book, The 50th Law. Come on. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like, like, seriously, move on, please. Yeah. And then it's funny, they do. 
they do. And then I get that phone call. Thank you. And I'm actually seeing, uh, I'm actually seeing, uh, like I had this, uh, yeah. ENTP was dating a, or was actually married to an ISFJ. They ended up getting a divorce and they started dating an ENTJ and they're like, I didn't know someone like this was even possible. I didn't yeah. know a relationship like this was even real. Thank you for everything. Yeah. I get like, tons of thank you mail and a lot of hate mail uh, on a daily basis. And it's just from these people, you know, I can't wait. I can't wait until you get to your channel with the relate with the romantic compatibility and stuff. Stuff like that like that's the one i really want to watch uh well season 14 will be the first the first rendition of that and it is coming <laughs> very soon it will be oh, coming soon as I, just, 10 is done. I just cannot wait and you know and make sure you talk about where to find those rare like i cannot for the love of me find men infjs and intjs anywhere and it's like well I will give a piece of advice that I've never given anyone else because <laughs> this will be unique to your show because I've not talked about it at all. Okay. It's something that just get, and I'm kind of, I don't know if Gary Vaynerchuk has talked about it yet on his podcast or not, uh, but he probably will if he has it already. There's a new app out uh, right now called Shaper, S-H-A-P-R. I saw it on wait, Instagram. S-H-A-P-R, Yes. Yeah, it was on Instagram the other day, and I'm like, oh, my goodness. It's a networking this is app, isn't it? A networking app. It's a networking app. app. It's not for dating. But no. what it does is it connects people with skills and yeah. potentially collaborate on projects. Ooh. Then so do that. Find people with similar skills that you like, and guess what? You'll find NFJs because they're, you're looking for marketing people or something, and then they're typically NFJs or STPs, and you're an yeah. NFP, right? Yeah. Just from... Going from a camaraderie approach, looking at uh, the shoulder-to-shoulder -shoulder relationships approach, and then all of a sudden, because you're high compatibility from the skills uh, of the Shaper app, you will actually, in your locale, be able to locate people with similar interests to you. And then by default, guess what? You've increased the chances of finding somebody who is super high compatible for you to have romantic relationships with. It's That's a new so technique. Funny. It works. It That's works. That's so funny. That's so Use funny. Use the Shaper app. It works. Yeah. You want to find lovers? <laughs> Use the Shaper app. Yeah. Hashtag INFJ men, where are you? Because I, I have so many INFJs in my, in my following, and they're all women. They're all women. And I love the women, but I'm not interested in them. So, <laughs> yeah, um, you, you need a clone Simon Siddick to be like, okay, yep, that's mine. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and, and younger, like, you know, 35 and under, please. Thank you very much. <laughs> yeah, I, oh, yeah, yeah, tell me about that. Yeah. Yeah, no, it's so funny. Um, but yes, I've noticed the compatibility. Uh, and um, um, what about, what about uh, a quick question before we go? What about, uh, ENF because I have a lot of ENFP clients as well and funny enough some of my most successful clients are exactly the same as me and I know you talk about the fact that ENFP ENFPs they, they, they don't get much from each other um, but I've noticed that a lot of people because they're so similar to me they learn from me they model how I do things and then they can apply that to themselves well it's and a it's, lot highest, of them, it's highest camaraderie you have yeah. highest camaraderie, which means you can actually learn the most. Yeah. I don't, yeah. so I, to, I told you like, okay, you want the top two you're most compatible with, your subconscious and your superego uh, would be the best to have around you for doing, you know, your enterprises uh, and whatnot. So that would basically be 
So yeah, your, your subconscious, your shadow, and your superego, you want people of those types as their egos, plus the other second of the highest, uh, you know, so for you, it'd be both NFJs. But yeah, why did I not say a fellow ENFP? The reason is because the highest, a high chance and high risk of competition or pain or just difficulty in that friendship, et cetera. Yes, it is the absolute lowest compatibility. But if you can come up with maybe even a business relationship or a kind of relationship that's shoulder to shoulder or very working oriented with them from a camaraderie standpoint, you actually can learn the most from that out of all of them. It's just I don't usually recommend it because the risks Mm -hmm. of difficulty and pain is absolutely the highest and the stakes are the highest at that point. Yeah, uh, and and you know, I I've definitely found that with some with most ENFPs we get amazing stuff, and then with some it can get it can get a, a little bit conflict because yeah, we are so similar, and sometimes trying to express our thoughts and feelings together is very challenging. But it's very very interesting. So, um, you know, I thought I'd mention that because yeah, I I I I would say most of the people that buy from me are ENFPs because. They look at they look at what I've achieved in three years at the age of 27, and they think, well, if she's an ENFP, and if I learn from her, I'm probably gonna do the same thing in a shorter period of time, and that's kind of how they see it, in a way. Um, but definitely, most of my clients are ENFPs, INFJs, ENTJs as well. Um, very, very fascinating to me, anyway. Um, but yes. Um, I have to say, we have gone way over. We have gone way <laughs> over, but... I, I don't even know what the regular scheduled time was supposed to be. I figured, ah, it'll probably end up being two hours or so, maybe two and a half. <laughs> you, know what? you know what? I Having watched your live YouTubes, I had no problem knowing that that was going to happen. And uh, <laughs> and I was just hoping, I was just hoping that you didn't put a timer on yourself to say, right, at one hour dot, I am leaving. Um, so I'm just so glad that we actually, no, I, I, I can't do that. Even with coaching no, sessions, no. I, I always, I always, I always like, okay, they schedule for an hour, but I'm not scheduling another one for at least another hour after that, just in case. Yes. <laughs> yeah. And by the way, and, and speaking of that, I, um, I am definitely, definitely, definitely going to book a few coaching sessions with you because I feel like you knowing so much, I can learn even more in, on an individual basis. Uh, about myself and about uh, where I can get better at and stuff like that. And um, if anybody out there is a few things, if anybody out there has enjoyed this, you know, people like Fiona, Monica, David, I'm looking at the comments. Yeah. Um, if you guys want to hear more, go to Chase's YouTube channel or go to his website, csjoseph.live. He's got a funny uh domain name uh, but you know that's a, <laughs> he's, a, he's a visionary he's an entp he doesn't care I'm about trying the to rules. Improve your life here yeah, yeah he's, like, he's, life. he's like he doesn't care about the dot com he cares about the dot life nope. part of things exactly exactly and, and i know he all i know he has uh i know he has parts there where you can cannot can actually book a coaching session with him which i am definitely doing i just want to i just wanted to say it publicly so people know uh, and you know, people people trust me, and you know, oh, Fiona already signed up to the, your YouTube channel already. And see, people already, guys, <laughs> you're gonna thank me. Uh, every per- I've sent so many people to you, you have no idea, and every single one is 
like, oh my God, thank you. Because in our world, we all learn from the same people, marketers, blah, blah, blah. And um, you, nobody, you know, in the industry, nobody knows about these things, about psychology, about, you know, we all just talk about marketing and stuff. So I think what you do is very unique. And my, the way that I've found a way to adapt it to my industry is even super unique. And, um, you know, I, I definitely will be working more with you. And I hope that we'll have even more times that we can talk together and, um, about these things because yeah, I'm a big believer in all of this and, uh, I don't put people in boxes, but I definitely put boxes in people. And my experience has proven to me that it does help. Um, and I'll say this, if I knew what I knew now, I would have spared myself four and a half years with, uh, my last relationship, which by the way, was a wonderful ISTJ but it should have ended at year two. It should have ended at year two. So, you know, if I knew this, and also if I knew this, I would have had a much more smoother relationship with my ESTP dad growing up. Uh, and I would have, I would have, oh, not, yeah. you know, um, I would have not taken a lot of the things too personally because he is the most amazing dad I could ever have as well, but very challenging. And, my mom, who's an ENFP, uh, you know, I've always had a great relationship with her, uh, but it would have also improved my relationship with her even more. Um, and uh, yeah, I, I agree. It's it, 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 every single component of human life is affected by this science. Uh, it's not just romantic relationships, sexual relationships, parenting as well. Relationships with your parents, uh, yeah. relationships with your children, your yeah. boss, your coworkers, every human being you come into contact with is affected this. I mean, I could even go to a wedding and I'll tell you if the relationship's going to last. I could even yep. tell you exactly the mechanics of what they're going to be doing in the bedroom <laughs> later that week. That's how and crazy. By the get. way, by the way, you were super accurate about that. Honestly, when it comes to the bedroom stuff, guys, if guys like if you don't watch, uh, if you don't watch Chase's channel for anything else and for making money, watch it so you know exactly how to get <laughs> satisfied after midnight. Because honestly, you know it's it's so true. Honestly, it is so true. Having lived with an ISTJ, mm, not so well, and then having dated some ENTJs, which like. Wow, what is this? Like, you know what I mean? It's yes, like, exactly. It's, <laughs> it's, 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 it's life-changing. It's completely life-changing. It's just even like with some of my, with my relationships and the women yeah. that have been in my life and they come up and, I, and we start a relationship, it's like, um, <laughs> I'm like, have you ever had a, a simultaneous mutual orgasm? And they're like, that's a thing? <laughs> I'm like, okay. All right, all right. I'm gonna, I'm gonna, yeah, definitely putting my teacher's cap on this one. And then, and then, and then they're like, "Wow, I didn't know this was a thing." And I'm like, "It yeah. is a thing. No one believes yeah. me." And then, you know, and I've been coaching people with it, and uh, and and yes, I have a confidentiality agreement, so I don't talk about anything outside of those agreements and whatnot. But there are people who are like, "Oh my gosh, like my my quality of life is completely increased." You know, and yeah. it's like, yes, it's because you just have to do these things. And they're like. But I didn't know that that was okay. That's not culturally acceptable for a man, or that's not culturally acceptable <laughs> yeah. for a woman. And it's like, that's because nature is not necessarily the same thing as nurture. 
no you got to separate the two. This is why I'm not really pro Enneagram or Big Five or Hexaco, yeah. like Tylopa says, you know? Yeah. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. So uh, that being said, um, also a lot of people don't really know. Uh, yeah, I have a YouTube channel, but I also have a podcast too. So if you're like driving to work, listen to the podcast. You don't have to use up all the data on your phone for the YouTube channel. Everything that's posted on YouTube is posted on the podcast as well. And you just go to my website, click the podcast button. We're basically yeah, everywhere. True. You can that find it. You know? That is true. I don't know why I just watch. I just prefer the YouTube videos more because I can see your whiteboard. Your trusty whiteboard. <laughs> why do I trust the whiteboard? <laughs> I can see. Uh, I'm using. I'm using so many. YouTube I retired videos. the old one and got 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 the bigger one. <laughs> I know, right? Yeah, he does use a lot of whiteboard uh, and uh, very. Very, very, <laughs> which is, I think I, I just enjoy, I just enjoy watching you see, making the ENTP faces as well, the like, you know, and when you're doing the jokes and when you're doing the faces and rolling your eyes, I, I think I just enjoy watching that too. So. Oh yeah. Yeah. I, I, I have to, I have to get my spiteful SE demon, you know, yeah. jabs every minute, yeah. every now and then. And it's funny, like, I get, I get so many letters uh, from NFs more than anyone else about, you know, you must have been hurt by an INFJ girlfriend <laughs> in the past, or, or you, must, you oh really hate INFPs because you're so bitter, and it's like, no, actually, I'm the only one on the internet who is criticizing people and holding them accountable. I'm sorry, you're not this INFJ special super unicorn that with magical so powers that has a rainbow coming out of their butt. You are not this person, right? This is, is the so actual funny. challenges you are facing. No, but that doesn't fit me, blah, blah, blah. And it's <laughs> like, oh, that's because you're an INFP. Watch this lecture. It'll prove that to you. Yeah. Oh, yeah, you're right. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. And I love how you call your videos lectures because they're literally 40 minutes long, an hour long. And, and you know, um, I, my ENFP uh, enjoys to consume uh, your uh, ENTP brain. I definitely would say that. Yeah, they're, they're, they are getting pretty, they do get pretty long. I, I mean, Jab and I for the streams, we're doing our yeah. best to try to keep around an hour, but that doesn't, yeah. that does not happen. And then, for some reason, because I know INFJs and INFPs the most, I give them uh, in terms of in terms of what they need. I give them a lot of extra attention because the internet and the MBTI culture out there has destroyed those types. Yeah. So I spend up, I spend so much more time on those types than everyone, and that's why their lectures have at least an additional thirty minutes over the other ones because I just have so much more to say because they're getting screwed so yeah. much by people and I'm tired of them getting screwed. I like, like I, I, I'll be straight with you and with your audience right now. I love all the NFs. I love all of the types, definitely. And I love NJs the most because I'm biased ENTP. Of and I course. But, but, uh, but the N, my fellow NPs out there, I, I couldn't be here without you, especially the ENFPs in my life. And people are like, you, you crap on ENFPs the most. And it's like, no, <laughs> actually, I don't. You should watch the rest of the lectures and find out. Yeah. The INFPs <laughs> out there, I couldn't be here without them, especially ones like Robert Greene. Uh, it's very important. And the INTPs out there who have bailed my ass out of so many problems in my life, even at, like on a daily basis at work, because they're very giving and very supportive, and I'm so thankful for them. So for all you NPs out there who think that I have a problem with you, I really don't. I'm just here as the messenger to tell the truth, 
and be neutral. I'm not here to make you feel good. I'm not here to give you a good experience either. <laughs> I'm just here to tell you the truth. That's it. That's all yeah. I'm trying to do here is tell you the truth. It's up to you what you do with it after the fact, right? And I think not you've always been fair. I think you've always been fair um, with your videos. You know, I've seen pretty much all of your ENFP videos and uh, the the both the dark side of us and the good side of us, I think, he, I think uh, you are absolutely correct. And I think if I stumbled across your channel 10 years ago, I would have probably gone, no, no, he's talking rubbish. But I, I feel over the years through maturity, I'm able to step outside of me and go, what actually no, uh, ENFPs can get selfish at times. And we can, you know, especially especially when some when some ENTJ comes and you know steals from us or or tell us that we're copycats and, and pisses us off we can get very revengeful we can get very um we can get very uh selfish and, yes and, and and you know we value I value originality so much and I value integrity so much so when somebody tries to attack you on these things you you literally change like you become a different person and um, you know um, you know I definitely g growing up I tell you this growing up my parents used to argue which one of them am I more like? My mom, the, my mommy NFP is like, oh, Katya's like me. And my dad ESTP is like, no, 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 Katya's like me. Truth is, I was like both of them in different situations. I was yep, like exactly. both of them. And, you know, it was the constant argument, who am I more like? And, um, and you know, I've taken both of their qualities um, and, uh, you know, it's, it's been very interesting to come to a place where I can go, yeah, I'm not perfect because NFPs have this rep for, let's be honest, we do think we're better than everybody else. We do. We do. We do. Right? Yes, we do. Yes, yes. Which is why, which is why we're, we're very good at making connection, but not so great at making deep friendships because we assume most people are not, you know, like, ah, this person's boring. Bring, uh, this person's not smart. This person's this. This person's that. We yeah, assume we're better very than at risk of being shallow. Um, yes. Even though every NFP out there disagrees with me, usually when I say that, but if you no, get down true. to it, yeah, it's it's, it's true. even SFPs. SFPs have that problem too. I actually was talking to an yeah. ISFP yesterday, and she just started judging me <laughs> constantly about this, and I'm like. You're really judgmental and you're so <laughs> hey. I told her to her face and yeah. she's like, no, I'm not. And I'm like, well, and then I took like all of the texts that she gave me and said, this right here is an example of selfishness. <laughs> this right here is an example of being judgmental. And, and then she's like, oh, you're right. And then she's like, and then she came back later thanking me. Like no one's ever criticized me like that in my whole life. No one's ever done that. And I, it's really humbling and, nice to see somebody yeah. who doesn't believe everything I tell them and holds me accountable. And she's like, I think this is going to make me be a better person. Yeah. And I'm like, that's all I'm trying to do. <laughs> so. 
we can be we can be funny um and and funny with esfps uh you would think you know oh fps we should be very similar but um, one of my friends is an esfp and i'm always like so amazed she's like yep i've always known what i wanted and i've always gone for it. and it's like how the hell do you do this because we're so we're meant to be so not different but we are so different with esfps and enfps so um it's yeah or even even nfjs infj enfj for example completely different animals entirely yeah it's just so it's just so fascinating to me and um you know i am definitely using what i've learned from you and from you know uh psychology and everything who i spend more time with who makes me a better person who brings out the selfish part of me? Who brings out the selfless part of me? Um, who helps me? Who helps me be accountable? Because I, if you're an ENFP watching this, you know we can get very lazy. We can get very procrastinating. We can get very apathetic and go, "Well, I don't care." Stuck so. in the comfort zone yeah. and resistant to change. And I'm comfy here. Leave me alone. I don't want to change right yeah. now. <laughs> and that's why, and that's why I will definitely be coming to you. Because I mean, I, I mean, hi- hypocrite. I do the same thing. I have a sign for you too. <laughs> yeah, but, yeah, but you know what? I, I was, I was. So I, I have, I have started uh, working with this videographer for my company, uh, who's an ENTP, by the way. So he's a really good videographer and editor. And uh, he, uh, I was telling him last night that uh it's gonna be very very see i forgot what i was gonna say my starter brain just forgot what i where i was going with my thoughts i just yeah well uh you're 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 entp videographer and you're making comparison uh between him and i and you because we're talking about si inferior getting stuck in our uh comfort zone does that help um it you know, me something. being a hypocrite. <laughs> <laughs> it was something to do with ENTPs and ENFPs. I don't know. I don't know. I'll probably come think about it and then it will come to me. That's the thing. Get easily distracted. Here's a good though. I have a project manager who's an ENTJ who keeps me on track and she does oh, all yeah. this. She she manages all the people and she creates all the structures. Um, so my project manager is an ENTJ. My assistant's an INFJ. My ads manager is an INFJ. Um, and uh, I have a content structure person who's an ENFJ as well. So I have a I have a couple kind of. But yeah, HR really helps. You know, when you're doing human resources and know who you have to hire, right? Or uh, or who. Um, or like even with doctors, like too, yeah. like like for example, I can't I can't go to an STJ doctor. I just can't. I sh- yeah. I show up in the room. The doctor comes in. I'm like, oh no, he's an STJ, and I just walk out. Really? Like, yeah. No, I I literally do. I just I have no patience for it, and I'm like, sorry. I bet you're a really good person, but you're not someone that could that I, I can't be your patient. And then I just I just leave, and they're looking at me like this is like the weirdest thing ever, you know. <laughs> and, and, 
it's true. It's really hard to be able to find those ideal medical practitioners, you know, like get me an NTJ, please. You know, get me an NTJ. Yeah. Yeah. That's, it's very hard. Cause let's be honest. NTJs can't work for anybody else. Can they really, no. can they really yeah, work yeah. for anybody else? Um, uh, funny with the ENTJs, half of them, I absolutely love the other half. I'm like, I, I just cannot stand. It, it's a funny, they're, they're, they're funny ones for me. I have to admit, um, INFJs, I love all of them. ENFPs, I love most of them. Um, INFPs, I love all of them. And uh, ENFJs, I do. Yeah, you can't help but dying of cute around them because I do. Around who? Uh, INFPs, oh my gosh, they are like the cutest things ever. I just want to give them a hug. And yes, um, it's very interesting. Uh, And and even sometimes I have. Too, but, but yeah, the, 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 the SI child, if I hero cute, I just, yeah, yeah I, I love it. And I'm like, uh, I can't have a relationship with you, but you're so cute. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Funny. I'll tell you this lately. I've had a lot of ENTPs in my life come in a lot, like, like more, proportionately a lot more than I used to. So, um, uh, I'm, I'm starting to get better at literally within 30 seconds, be like, oh yeah, this one's definitely an NTP. Because over time, you start learning what their vibe is and you start learning how yeah, to Yeah, yeah. It is, it is a superpower, isn't it? It is. It Practice is makes perfect. And it's only it going to get better because we're going to be releasing page three of the type grid document soon with additional techniques on how to type people. So mm-hmm. even more is coming. Yes, a lot more. <laughs> yes. I'm very excited, um, and uh, I've I've included all your links in the description as well and everything. But um, awesome. final words. Let's do final words. Uh, so, uh, wh- where do you see where do you, where do you see your work in the next? You know, if you want to share, of course, uh, whatever you want to share. But what what are you focusing on, and um, what are some of the big plans that you'll be? Um, surprising everyone with over the next coming so uh we just we're prepping the landshore ambassador program which is basically like a a network it's going to start on uh linkedin groups and i'll be flying around the country uh doing uh speaking or hanging out with various peoples uh within the network uh we're on meetup.com right now we're probably going to migrate away from that and onto linkedin and then set up engagements there and the ambassador program are basically all my organizers that happen to be in the locales. And they're the ones that put up, they're the ambassadors of the CSA community. And our Discord server is like over 800 people right now and growing wow. uh, every single um, day. And uh, it, it's been fantastic. Um, we're actually be launching a Patreon soon, uh, finally, as we're about to break 10,000 <laughs> on the YouTube yeah, and we only started good job on that, by the way good job on that you've done it in less well in a year pretty much um, and I saw you've you've pretty much released one video every two days which for someone that has a full-time job you should give yourself credit on how productive hey gotta have hustle that my, my ENFP mentor Gary Fee says so right <laughs> and I literally work 16 hour days the Saturday I, is a busy day every single so day tell. Honestly, I, I haven't had a vacation tell. in a long time. I mean, you could probably watch me in the videos and you're like, that guy is really tired right now. <laughs> he needs to go to bed. <laughs> yeah. No, I can so tell you work so hard and I, I'm so appreciative for what you do. And, um, you know, so you're doing the ambassador 
Twitter, and then what else you're doing? Our, we'll be releasing our mobile app very soon. Ooh. Yes. Are you, is that going to be one of these apps where you're actually going to do a C.S. Joseph version of the Myers-Briggs test? Is that what it is going to be for? Yes, we will have our own test, <laughs> and you will be able to test yourself and others on the fly in the palm of your hand. Yes, <laughs> it's coming out very soon. Yes, it's very, very fun. exciting. Um, yeah. Super excited. Well, we're going to let the community beta test it uh, before it is released uh, to general availability. So yes. it, it'll, it'll be fantastic uh, to have it. Um, we're doing the Eric Reese Lean Startup model with it, minimum viable product. We're just going to throw out there. It's going to be a piece of crap to start. But then <laughs> as we get back, we're going to make it better and improve upon it. And I have a fantastic development team. Uh, my executive team is... <laughs> I got, uh, I got someone in Texas. I got someone in Melbourne, Australia. I have many people in London and, uh, and, uh, uh, and Argentina as well. So basically, CSJ is kind of an international company at this point. And we, we're, we're employing people all over the globe specifically to help prop up this community and, and uh, reach our goals. You know, our main goal being to put a stop to fatherlessness so that we can yeah. uh, you know, change the world and for the better. But at, at really at the end of the day, it's about helping people have better relationships with others. But beyond that, it's actually more about this. You have to like, like that, like that movie, the matrix where the Oracle's talking to Neo and says, you know, you see that sign up there. It's Latin for know thyself. That's the point of what we're doing right there. We are here to empower you so that you can find yourself, know yourself. And then after knowing yourself, you can know others. That way, when you judge somebody, it's treat others the way you want to be treated. I'm an ENTP. I'm super rare. People don't like ENTPs in general. They just don't. I do. I, <laughs> I, I appreciate that you do. Uh, but like the 70% the population of the SPs, SPs out there, they kind of don't. And because of that, I've had a lot of struggles, like a lot of struggles in my life, especially in childhood because of, you know, my rarity and that being a problem. My, my theory was if I can learn how to treat you, for example, as an ENFP and treat you as an ENFP and understand you and treat you the way you are, then you yourself, hopefully one day would be able to do the same thing for me. Treat others the way you want to be treated. I can't be treating other people like an ENTP. I can't treat other people the way I see myself. I have to treat other people by their standard, not by my standard. That's the difference. That's what the golden rule actually means. And that's what I maintain that this science and getting it in everybody's hands across the whole world and improving their relationships at every fundamental level of the human experience, at that point, everyone will understand each other as well as themselves. So what point is there a need for war at that point? There is no need for it anymore. It's like the human race is at the point now where we literally are able to actually outgrow the conflict. There's no need for it. We have that opportunity. And it's the first time our race has had that opportunity is now. And it's funny that it's in the hands of the millennials out of everybody else, as Simon Sinek would put Which it. Which is us. Which is yeah. us. You're a millennial too, right? So. Yep. The, uh, the uh, youngest generation Xer is 35 years old. There you uh, go. And the, uh, and I believe the oldest Gen Zer is 24 right now. You so go. if you are 25 to 34, you are a millennial right now. So. I'm 27. 
I am 20. I'm 31. So definitely there you go. We are, we're definitely millennials, uh, NF and anti millennials. Um, definitely rare, uh, but, um, you know, we, uh, neither of us would change you for the world and, and everybody nope. watching this is part of the minority. And I'm just so grateful for everyone that's watched us live. Uh, and um, I'm sure this interview would stay and it will be watched. It will be talked about for a long time. I'm going to add it, you know, I'm going to add it for all my clients as well to watch it. I'm going to say, this is your homework. Funny enough, all my INTJ clients are like, yo, can you send me all your trainings to watch? And I'm like, how do you have the time? And they go, well, I listen to stuff while I'm cleaning and while I'm doing this and while I'm doing this. So they literally soak up everything I put out there. Uh, it's so <laughs> fascinating to me, um, my fellow INTJs. Well, uh, I, I would like to say, though, um, I, I am in a position to do a giveaway for your audience, a free coaching session. And oh. uh yeah, and I'll give you uh, the image uh, that you could put up on your Instagram for that, uh, and then we could uh, uh, figure out who the winner is uh, from uh, your Instagram and whatnot uh, to that end. But yes, we'll do a coaching giveaway to uh, someone in your audience for sure. And, cool. Uh, we we'll definitely- figure it out. We'll figure it out, and we will. So guys, if you listen to this, share this video right now for me. Uh, so that more people can see it and uh, uh, more people can benefit from this, please. Um, and also, let's be honest, all of you here that have stayed for two hours, you know you want to share it, don't you? In the middle it's of like, the night. <laughs> well, it's, it, most of them, I'll tell you what, 70% of my audience is in the U.S., believe oh, it or not. Um, I happen to live in Malta in the Mediterranean, um, but 70% of my clients um everything is in the u.s um the i have rest- a good friend that lives in malta do you yeah yeah Ooh. yeah it's an entj uh it's a business owner out in malta you should connect yeah. you should connect me because i don't know many so um oh, fair enough oh and entjs i like entjs is he single nope. <laughs> uh i i don't know actually i never <laughs> asked him i'm only joking <laughs> joking or am i who knows maybe i'm the who knows? We'll, we'll find let's out when we say, get there let's just say let's just say that if you're an nfp once you go entj you never go back yeah it, exactly yeah ENFPs <laughs> need to be with njs definitely yeah. highly recommend it for yeah. sure uh so we'll just leave it there we'll just leave it there Uh, but yes we'll connect on instagram and we'll do uh some kind of giveaway and i will definitely be working with you because i just honestly you meeting you has meant so much for me and for my business and for my life and i only discovered you maybe a couple of months ago but if i discovered you three years ago my business would have been 10 times bigger than it is now so i just want to say thank you for all you do and I have no. You are most welcome, and and thank you for uh, being a ENFP member of the audience that isn't <laughs> mad at me all the time no, saying oh, you're so great. I'm really not. I'm really not mad at you, and I I, I think you talk a lot of truth, and uh, uh, and also here's the thing. I realize that I have the choice of whether or not to act like the good ENFP or the self selfish ENFP. I have the choice and yep. I have the power. So you can say anything you want about 
most ENFPs or some ENFPs, and I can still choose to be the selfless one and the one that actually says, well, that's not me, and it never will be. Or it used to be, but it never will be again, so. Yeah, that's, I had, I had a similar uh, lesson in my life as well. I'm, I have to, I really do struggle with insincerity and I always have from my virtue and vice. And, uh, it's, it's, I have to make a conscious decision every single day to just tell the truth regardless yeah. of how people feel. And I just have to do that. Yes. And then I get this reputation that I'm an ass because of it. Uh, <laughs> no, and, but I appreciate yeah. that very much. But people are like, oh, you're so harsh. I mean, even my own mother tells me I'm really harsh all the time. You're but, funny uh, when you're harsh. I find you so <laughs> hilarious when you're harsh that it's like, ha, he's just being funny. It's fine. <laughs> he, he doesn't hate, True. like, he doesn't hate anyone. He's just being funny and, you know, he, he's just peeved off by this quality and this quality and all that, so. Um, yeah, you're right. You're, you're exactly right. I mean, I did. Uh, I mean, what's on my whiteboard now was how to social engineer ESFJs. And my, I, my grandma is an ESFJ. How funny. Yeah. Yeah. My I'll grandma. actually talk about my grandmother. It was an ESFJ <laughs> in this Who one, too. Oh, my oh, God. Yeah. Okay. Funny story. Aren't they just so annoying, the ESFJ grandmas, that they tell the stories 50 times and you're like, grandma, I've heard that story before. And, and she goes, oh, I forgot. Like, no, no, no. You, you've told me this story 50 times. <laughs> like, they just repeat yep. over they, and over. Yeah, just like INTPs do. The, the ESFJs definitely yeah. do too. It's so, it, it is it is very uh, funny when they do that. But, you know, if, you're, if your ESFJ grandmother ever upsets you, all you have to do is just start doing the dishes that's a good way to she get back does, at them. She always, she always does the dishes. And then, okay, I don't. does your grandma do this? Mine would sit on the TV at 10 p.m. at night, and she would put on a lipstick, and I'll be like, Grandma, what are you putting your lipstick on for? And she goes, well, I want to look pretty. And I go, what for? And he goes, for myself. <laughs> like, that is literally... <laughs> Like, she just wants to look pretty for herself at 10 p.m. in front of the television. And it's like, me as an ENFP, I'm like, no, if there's no one around, I just I just wear my PJs. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> that SE critic got to look good because that, that whole elitist point of view. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> yeah, it is so it is so hilarious yeah um and oh and by the way my grandma is the one who she's been asking me all the time for the last six months are you still single are you still single and then goes oh my goodness and then goes and then goes oh poor you poor you and i'm like what do you mean poor me being single is far fun and she goes oh poor child <laughs> Ah, oh, nice. Getting that jab in there. <laughs> She'd be a great grandchild. Er, I'm so informative. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, I had a very funny family. Very, very funny family. Uh, ENFP mom, ESTP dad, ESFJ grandma, ISTJX. And uh, yeah, I've, I've, I've had it all. I've had it all. So... Uh, and everything you talk about is correct about all of them. So thank you. 
yeah, <laughs> I guess that was my whole point. Welcome. That was my whole point. I just, I was just saying thank you. So thank you guys for sharing. Sky shared. Daniel says that's awesome. Rosie says JetX are here. Yeah, we got loads of people. I will. Do you do Facebook so I can tag you there? You don't do much Facebook, do you? I, I don't do Facebook uh, yet. Okay. It's coming. Okay. Uh, I, I, um. I've been avoiding it like the plague. I know that's dumb, and I'll admit it. And Gary Vee would uh, slap me at this point <laughs> repeatedly, it's, and uh, it's okay. He's right. But uh, uh, the reason why uh, I just uh, Facebook became more of a traumatic experience for me when I was when I was homeless, and mm. I kind of have Facebook PTSD <laughs> basically, yeah. and that's why I've never actually returned to it. But I'm going to. I. Uh, my staff is going to be completely revamping uh, my personal Facebook, also the CSJ page. It's going to be revamped. Every time Good. we live stream, we'll be live streaming on top of Facebook, and Good. I'll be a very uh, Facebook parishioner. But until then, which hopefully happens within the next two weeks, actually, uh, we've just been plugging along, trying to get these other uh, priorities uh, out of the way because we, I mean, this last week has been like the most productive we've ever been. Even though I haven't really put out many lectures, it's because I've been so focused on migrating us from one podcast platform to the new one and it that was it was 70 percent good 30 percent had to redo a lot of links and words and uh, it was painful but we we got it done so but yes i will be on facebook i promise it's good good it's good. permanent yeah perfect i will be i will uh uh I will, uh, once you're on Facebook, I will convert you into uh, a loyal follower of my Facebook marketing strategy and you will, uh, you will catch up on all the years of uh, no activity in no yes. time, in no time. Download. There you go. <laughs> you're just going to download my ENFP uh, sales mastery. Yep, yep, yep. yep. That sales uh, mastery. Hook, hook it up. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Yep. And um and I'll send you I'll send you I'll I'll get the the recording as well. It's all recorded in my clown, so I'll send you the link if you want to download that. Awesome. Yeah. No, I'll um I will post it. Uh I don't know if you have a YouTube that you post to, but I will post I it on my website. Yeah, if you could post it on your YouTube that'd be great and then I'll just embed it on my website and then there it'll be and uh we'll be good to go on that cool so. cool i will do that i'll post it on youtube um and uh and we'll connect on instagram so tune out for the giveaway you guys that we will do uh there's been 27 people that shared the live stream which is cool and uh we'll see how many viewed it after this but Thank you so much again. And thank you all for sticking around for two hours. We do appreciate your time and um, we do appreciate you uh, interacting, engaging. And uh, if you have any questions, um, I would say go to YouTube and comment on the videos. And because Chase, I don't know how he does it, but he apparently reads every comment. I don't know I how do. he does it. Um, I can't do it. I, I can't do it on my Facebook. Not a chance. If I start responding to every single Facebook comment, I will have I will have no money. I will be broke because I will have no time to actually sell. Literally. It's yeah. Insane. It's true. It's insane. Yeah. It's insane. So I, I have to do it. Effie Child demands it. Very V <laughs> demands it. Engagement. Engagement. <laughs> so. I don't blame you. 
anyway, I'll leave you to it. I know it's, is it morning, uh, lunchtime, lunchtime. It is lunchtime. It is 12, 16 in the afternoon. Yes. It's 9.15 over here in the Mediterranean. Uh, thank you again. And we will uh, talk soon. Everybody live, uh, type in two in the chat if you enjoyed this and make sure you share it. Make sure you subscribe to uh, Chase's channel or his podcast. Uh, it is CS Joseph. Just type CS Joseph in both and you will find it. And he's on Instagram at cs.joseph as well. And all his links are dropped in the comments. So I shall see you there. Uh, awesome. Thank you. <laughs> thank you, too. You're most welcome. All right. Well, you have a good night. <laughs> you too. Bye. All right. Bye.